Welcome back to another episode of Sketch Nerds, brought to you by Bad Medicine, DC's best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity. Here on Sketch Nerds, we break down sketch comedy. What works, what doesn't work, what we like, what we don't like, and why. Today, we're going to be discussing sketches from The Human Giant and Mr. Show. You can find information about this podcast, as well as the sketches we are going to be discussing, at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds. Joining me, as always, are Seth and then returning co-host, Michael Alvino. I'm Andy Weld, and today we are happy to have on, as a guest, Sarah Fell. Sarah, how are you doing today? Doing good. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. We're happy to have you. Can you uh, tell us about your background in comedy and kind of the comedy you're doing now? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I am in a sketch comedy group uh, called Frankie, and we're based here in D.C. Uh, we perform at Dojo Comedy, and I also co-teach a sketch writing class at Dojo with Jen Kovach. Cool. How long have you been teaching the class for? That's a good question. Uh, a few years, I think. That's awesome. Um, started teeing it and then teaching it. So it's been a while. Nice. You're really getting that promotion, right? Yeah, yeah. It was a little scary to start out and you found your place? That's right. Oh, that's good. right. Full-fledged teacher now. Wow. A certificate <laughs> and everything? <laughs> There's no certificate. I should ask. Oh, I, I don't. I don't think you've actually gotten promoted. I think it's a ruse. Oh, no. <laughs> well, I think the big deal is that now, uh, as a TA, you have to grade a lot of sketches. But as a full-on uh, sketch writing professor, you just get to do the fun stuff, and then your TA has to grade all the sketches. So we've gone from teacher to professor now. I assume. I okay. assume that's how it works. I assume <laughs> that right, everybody then. who teaches a comedy class is a professor of comedy. Inching ever onwards. Introducing our first sketch today is Sarah. All right. Well, the sketch I wanted to talk about is just a personal favorite of mine that makes me laugh a lot every time I watch it. It's a sketch called Corn Maze by Human Giant. And Human Giant was a sketch comedy show on MTV that aired in 2007 to 2008. Uh, it consisted of uh, Paul Shear, Rob Hubel, and Aziz Ansari. And um, yeah, I just wanted to talk about this sketch because it's just delightfully weird and absurd and makes me laugh every time, so. This just isn't working. Something's gotta change. But you still wanna see me, right? Sometimes, I guess. I don't understand. Look, why don't we talk out in the backyard? I'll meet you in the corn maze. Okay. I'm just going to get my jacket. All right, Sarah, why don't you tell us what you liked about that sketch? What, what specifically really brings that out for you? Well, lately, I think I've kind of been drawn to more absurdist sketches where something, you know comes out of left field and is a really weird surprise um, just because that's not how I typically tend to approach my own sketch writing. Like I think a lot of times um, my stuff is like more grounded and I'll start with something in pop culture or like something 
in politics or something that's annoying me and sort of find a structure that works for it and flesh it out. And it's not always like making a statement with a capital S, but it's like pretty clear where I'm coming from. And this this one I think is just a great like absurdist little vignette. And I think the process behind it is more mysterious. And that intrigues me. Like, because I like to, you know, I teach this sketch writing formats class. So I like to kind of get in there and like pick apart the structure and what makes it work. And um, so I, I decided to take one of my favorites and uh, destroy it by picking it apart. <laughs> so is it that absurdity that makes it work? Is there something specific that makes it work in your eyes? I think it's the absurdity maybe paired with a really relatable premise. Uh, so it does start with Rob Hubel is breaking up with his girlfriend and they're in the kitchen and he's like, something's not working. It's just not right. She's like, you still want to see me sometimes. He's like, I guess. So he's really kind of wishy-washy. Also kind of a weird conversation to have. Like, I feel like yeah. that, that part of the conversation, you still want to see me, I guess. I feel like that is where that conversation would kind of end, right? Like. Right. If you if you said that to someone, they'd be like, well, I don't want to see you anymore if that's your attitude. Yeah, right. I guess isn't good enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think, you know, it's a pretty relatable scenario where it's like this relationship status is kind of unclear. Um, so he's like metaphorically sending her into the corn maze, right? And then that sort of becomes literal right? Uh, when she actually wanders into a creepy corn maze in the back of his <laughs> apartment building that looks like it's in Brooklyn or something <laughs> like <laughs> right right the building is very city and yeah. then it's this like field humongous of corn maze yeah well i yeah. like to think that the sketch exists in the same reality as field of dreams like there was a voice that told him to build for a completely different purpose James Earl Jones Costner. was there yeah. so i just want to in in this in this universe then there are good things you can do with a cornfield and bad things you can do with a cornfield. Right, like, you know, there's yeah. a good voice and a bad voice. So I'm assuming then that the children of the corn and that kid from that Twilight Zone episode also exist in this universe? I'll, yeah, I'll give you that. Okay. I haven't seen those. Oh, yeah. all right, yes. Uh, ghost baseball? That's what Field of Dreams is, right? Field of Dreams. Yes, Field of Dreams. Ghost baseball good. That's Japanese translation of the yeah, title exactly. Field, Field of Dreams. Dreams. Yeah. Ex-girlfriend corn maze bad. Ex-girlfriend Ex corn maze <laughs> Yeah. I just love the way he says corn maze. It's oh, just yeah. corn maze. And then just this, yeah. This Even more intensity than that. It's, yeah, I yeah. feel like we're all going to end up going around in circles. We saying, should. Let's, we should all maze, say it. Corn maze. Corn maze. <laughs> and it, it really is. You're sort of like if that other, uh, if the other presumably ex-girlfriend hadn't been in there, like it's almost about to become a um, Friday the 13th movie, oh, yeah. one would think. But Yeah. I think what was great about seeing that other woman in the corn maze is that she's running. Like, or she's like running around looking. It's not like she's like meandering. It looks like she's like actively looking around still for Rob Hubel. Like, where is he still? <laughs> and how long has she been in the corn maze? He said he was just going to get his jacket. Right? Yeah. Yeah. He did not have a jacket on when he looked out the window. <laughs> I assume that's why he uh, he puts them in a corn maze, because at least in a corn maze, there is food available, right? They won't starve in Can that corn eat maze. rock corn off the cob? Um, yes. I don't know that it's not going to have 
pesticides on it or bugs and dirt, but I believe you can just eat it right off the cuff. I'm glad we're doing a deep dive on corn. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Corn fields, <laughs> raw corn. It's good to get in that. Uh, it's a really short sketch, but I think one of the things that really punctuates it is the musical choice. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. As uh, the woman wanders into the corn maze. Um, it's uh, the Moonlit Sonata, her Moonlight Sonata, uh, Beethoven. Yes. Oh boy. Uh, yes. Classical music is not. Uh, I, and I think it's a, it's a romantic. Uh, yeah. Um, which I think is a romantic song, but it like. <laughs> uh, but it's it's so haunting that. Yeah. It really it adds to just kind of. It's creepy, but not in a skin crawly way. It's yeah. Yeah. It's there are definitely like some horror genre touches in the sketch mm-hmm. that I think add to it and work well. I like the way he floats up into the window. Like he just kind of like his head like rises up from the bottom of the window. And then the music starts playing and it intensifies. Um, Yeah. And the sinister way he whispers. And it's not something as like fleshed out as like a full on like genre parody. And I think that would kill it. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. But it's just got those those elements to it. And so when when you are writing something, Sarah, do you often do you write genre parody sketches or or do you use elements of them and kind of what what can they bring to a sketch when used lightly? Oh sure, yeah. I I think that's a thing that I like to use. Um now I'm trying to think of an example, but a format I like to write a lot is commercials mm-hmm. and I think there's genres of commercials. Sure, yeah. You know, and if you can get that voice right where it's an infomercial or um it's an ad for a lawyer or it's a political ad. You know, there's different genre touches that you would use for each type of commercial. And I think those can be a helpful thing because it sort of locates the viewer or the audience member like in this recognizable format, recognizable place. Um, And so they have a set of expectations that comes with the genre Mm -hmm. and you can surprise them or you can use that to your joke's advantage. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the other things uh, that I noticed in this sketch is the way that there is a, despite it being about a minute and 20 seconds there, there, it does still feel like there's a distinct game that happens. It doesn't feel like it's just like flashes in your face and then it ends. There's like, you do feel escalation and Michael, can you speak to that a little bit? How there is a game throughout the sketch, even though it's so short? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess, so you're talking about the, I mean, the, basically the setup is you know, based in reality. It's the breakup scene. Right. Um, and, I, you know, obviously there's this douchebag character that is very relatable, at least in pop culture, I feel like. For you, Michael? Oh, yeah. I definitely <laughs> identify. But um, I don't know if there is a game element to it because it's so unpredictable. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, the game, you're, you're thinking about, like, pattern and, you know, um, heightening. This, like, it heightens. That's the absurdity is the way that it heightens and the, the twist that it takes. Sure. Seth, what do you think? Um, I think that we do get a little bit, uh, as Michael was saying, of the we start with reality, we move into absurdity. And for me, then it it heightens when we see the second woman in the corn maze and then we pull back and see how big the corn maze is and yeah. the, the um 
suggestion that there might be perhaps up to dozens of other women <laughs> wandering around this endless corn maze waiting for Rob Hubel to return with his jacket. Sarah, you well, picked this, sorry? Oh, no, I was just going to, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was thinking about the structure of it yeah. as also something that appeals to me. Um, and thinking about it format-wise, I mean, I don't know, like Michael said, I don't know that there's a game of like repeated behavior. I think it's a single joke. Um, and when we teach our formats class, one of the formats we teach is a blackout sketch. And I don't know that you necessarily have to reduce everything to like a type of format, and I don't want to do that and be reductive. But um, I think functionally it's a blackout because it is just a single, it's a single joke, yeah. like acted out in a sketch. And there's a setup and a punchline. But what they do that's interesting to me is they extend the punchline a couple beats, and I think it works, you know? Oh, yeah. Like usually I think like, oh, you have your punchline and you want to end it. End. Like right, get your exactly. big laugh line and the sketch. Um, and the biggest laugh line for me is when he says corn maze. Um, but yep. then they just sort of let it breathe and like let the weirdness settle in. And then they reveal how big the corn maze is. And it, yeah, it just extends it a couple beats past right. where you think it's going. And I think that is something surprising and interesting about it that works well, in my opinion. Yeah. I think that yeah. that reveal of the large corn maze is, is really critical to the end of that sketch being okay for past the the laugh line. And 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 when I said earlier that I, I felt there was a game in there, I guess the game that I saw was when Rob Hubel first mentions, I'll go meet you in the corn maze. Mm. And then the woman is in front of the corn maze. And then Rob Hubel says, corn maze. <laughs> and even just repeating the phrase corn maze, which is something I don't think I've said in over a year probably before talking about this sketch, even that little use of that two word phrase in the three different, in the three different contexts, the first time it said the visual, the second time it said feels like a game to me. Oh yeah. Yeah. I could see that. I mean, it's a really weird thing to say, like, why don't we talk about this in the corn maze? Yeah, like that's right? just... <laughs> And so she seems like I'm more amazed by right. it. Yeah, she's like, yeah. oh yeah, the corn maze. Yeah. Yeah. If anything, she <laughs> she's maybe a little she's maybe a little hurt. She's a little bewildered, but not about the fact of the corn maze. She's yeah. confused that they're going to continue this conversation in the corn maze, which yeah. suggests to me that she's seen it before in a different context. Right. Right. <laughs> well, like, I think like I've been wondering like what makes something absurdist comedy like. All any comedy sketch is going to have something unusual. That's otherwise it would just be uh, acting. I don't know what mm. a, you know, just regular TV. Life. It wouldn't be funny. Um. Yeah, but like the absurdity. Like I guess what distinguishes it is the number of questions left unanswered. Love like why the corn maze. <laughs> like of yeah. all those questions you just rambled off. Like right. how many women are in this? Yeah. Why does yeah? And then why does you know when? And I think the accepting of the reality when he's like, "I'll meet you in the corn maze." And she's like, okay, like, yeah. like the, that's the reality that we live in. I'm going to meet you in the corn maze. And then, you know, why does he say, why does he say corn maze? Why, why is the corn maze there? You never get the answers to those questions. And yeah. instead of like that satisfaction you get when, it, like a, when something predictable, like a game is hit the third time, like it's just like the questions start firing in your brain and there's no answer and you're, you're still tickled. You're like. Always leave yeah. them wanting more and leave leave people asking questions about, wait, well, wait a minute. Right. 
what happened there, especially in comedy? Yeah. Always yeah. leave them wanting more. Is the other? It's a line that was cut mm-hmm. <laughs> while they're in the corn maze. <laughs> yes. Maybe that's why Rob Hubel's so attractive. Dude owns a corn maze. That it could be. That's yeah. if it's in the middle of Brooklyn, it's right. got to be worth a lot of money. Yes. Or is he yeah. the guy from S Town? Oh, oh yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Let's not talk about other podcasts on this podcast. <laughs> uh, Sarah, this is a great scratch. And I think we all really enjoy it. But was there anything that you would change or do differently, either as a writer or as a performer or as a viewer, as something you'd like to see differently? Oh, interesting. Um, no, I obviously it's you know perfect. I chose this We're sketch because I I it's uh, one of my favorites. Um, so I hesitate to say I'd change it. I'm out of my own curiosity, like. I'd be interested to see a version where um, maybe they they reverse a couple of the beats. Like, I think if you see her going into the corn maze, see the other woman, then he says, corn maze, and then yeah. it pulls back and, like, ends a little bit sooner after that punchline. Maybe. Mm-hmm. But then I think, eh, I don't know if that would work as well. It, it does I, seem I just to would be, be curious yeah. to, like, see how it sure. works the other way. Yeah, absolutely. Would you want to see, like... That character again, like, <laughs> corn maze. Because like character? if he, if there was another, or Rob Hubel's character, if there was another beat where he, you know, like if he's at the water cooler, uh, and his coworker's like, "Well, what'd you do this weekend?" and like in his head he's just like, "Corn maze," <laughs> or, oh nothing, <laughs> or something where he's he's going on a date with another woman and at the very end he turns around like Michael Jackson at the end of Thriller and there's that demonic laugh coming out of nowhere because you know what's going to happen. Right. Corn maze. <laughs> <laughs> or you could, I, I could see a follow-up sketch where you have all of the women who have been left in the corn maze mm. trying to figure out what's going on. Like most of them hopeful that Rob Hubel is just around the corner with his jacket. <laughs> or like, yeah, they, like they bump into each other. Like, oh, sorry, I'm just waiting I'm for waiting, my boyfriend. Yeah. Oh, I'm uh, I'm waiting for my boyfriend too. It's no no big deal. Yeah, I would definitely like to see that character again, as long as we get no answers about. Oh the yeah, movies. absolutely yeah. no. We can't get any. <laughs> no answers, and I and I I think to close out this, we should all say corn maze just one more time. Michael, why don't you start us off? Corn maze. Corn maze. Corn maze. Corn maze. This podcast is brought to you by the sketch comedy troupe Bad Medicine, DC's best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity. Visit badmedicinecomedy.com for info about live shows, workshops, and t-shirts for people who love comedy. And now to talk about sketch number two today, here is Seth Alcorn. Hello, everyone. Sketch number two is pre-taped call-in show from Mr. Show with Bob and David. Uh, Mr. Show with Bob and David ran on HBO from 1995 to 1998, and it introduced uh, Loving America not only to Bob Odenkirk and David Cross, but also uh, a short list, Paul F. Tompkins, uh, Scott Ackerman, Brian Pazane, uh, Dino Stamopoulos, I think is his, I might have pronounced it incorrectly, Tom Kinney, Mary Lynn Ricegub, and Jack Black, and Patton Oswalt sometimes showed up on that show. So that was... Um, uh, kind of an all-star cast for that one. It really was. Yes. Uh, the show in general tends to bring frustrated, angry absurdity to its sketches. This sketch is a great example of that. There are others. Um, I don't want to list them because we're probably going to talk about them later and some of them even might be discussed more fully on the show. Um, I would go so far as to say that they lean heavily towards the surreal 
and uh, tend to like breaking the fourth wall in perhaps an indirect way or, or doing something to remind us that we're all sort of participating in a piece of entertainment. David Cross in particular, I think, is at his best when he plays either people at the end of their sanity or else so firmly in denial that no amount of evidence can shake their worldview. And uh, he sort of splits the difference on this one. He's got a little bit of both going on. And uh, he's in really good form as a man driven nearly insane by his refusal to change his game plan when it ceases to work. I think I'm going to uh, leave what else I was going to say afterwards for the discussion portion. But uh, here's a little clip from that sketch. I'm not doing a show about pet care. I'm doing a show about the elderly. The people calling about racism are watching the show that aired when we were taping the pet show, which is airing now, okay? If they wanted to talk about racism, they should have called three weeks ago when our Crime in the Street show aired, okay? It's just, let's think before we... (laughs) Well, David Cross is not having a good time there. No, uh, and he rarely is, <laughs> no, really. Yeah, that's true. It's definitely one of his strong suits. Now, uh, Seth, what's your favorite thing about this sketch? Uh, my favorite thing about the sketch is that it moves backward in time. Explain. Okay, well, we start on a week, I believe it's week four of a call-in show, uh, a pre-taped call-in show, and we see that the host is really frustrated because people continue to call in to talk about the last week's show. As it is a pre-taped call-in show, the last week's show is airing when he's filming the current show. So nobody who's watching him uh, knows what he's actually talking about. And at the very end of the sketch, we see clips from all of the previous shows with David Cross in various stages of frustration that people do not understand what the show's about because they haven't been paying attention to what he's been saying on the other pre-taped shows. And it's just as clear as that visually. Yes, it really is. In words. Yes. Uh, It took me like at least the full sketch of basically just trying to process what was going on as I was watching this. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to like draw myself a diagram. Yeah. (laughs) Of like week to week. (laughs) I felt like, so you talked about you loved how it goes backwards, which made me think of Memento. Yes. And the first time I watched Memento was with my mother. And she just kept like pausing it and rewinding it and be like, what's going on? Who is this guy? Yeah, I just, I, I think um, really the, the brilliant thing about it is that it comes together. Like yeah. that was, a, that yeah. was a, a big gamble, I think, to take on that sketch working. And it, it pays off wonderfully. One of the things that works in this sketch is that it's funny Like David Cross's frustration is funny. And then as you realize it's moving backwards in time, it becomes funnier. Like, even if you don't, even if it doesn't click for you exactly what's going on, even if it is a little confusing and it it takes a watch or two, which it may have taken for me to get exactly what was going on, you're still laughing because he's still so funny. David Cross is so exasperated. And that is often when he's at his best, as you said, when he is really at his wits end. I wonder, I honestly wonder about the evolution of that sketch if they didn't start off with it going forward. Because it's it, it's still funny if you watch it forward, if you're like, okay, here's a guy with a pre-taped Colin show. How's this going to work? Oh, nobody calls in the first week because nobody knows that there's a show happening. Okay, that's fine. And then we see him go from week to week and getting progressively um, balder 
and <laughs> progressively more frustrated with what's happening. And then somebody just said, well, wait, what if we did that backwards? And we showed all of the previous stuff at the end. It's, I just love the sketch so much. Well, it, it's the subversion of the yeah. sketch type. And yeah. Sarah, as you talked about in the previous segment about a blackout sketch and this is, I'm not exactly sure what type of you teach a class. Maybe would you have a name for what you would call this sketch, either moving forward or backwards? Oh, uh, well, there. Uh, it's a talk show, I sure. suppose, yep. um, mm -hmm. which is a variation on like a receptionist shopkeeper where there's like a repeated right. yeah, like, yeah. pattern of behavior and it just goes backwards <laughs> in a brilliant way. Um, I think the pacing of it is great too. Yeah. Like, yeah. like it starts out, kind of the first segment, it's like a slow burn, like as he's getting more and more exasperated and then yeah. it gets more rapid when they start going from like the previous week and then the right, previous week the and TV. then the previous week. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, joke, yeah. joke, 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 joke. It's just like, it's great. Yeah, I think that's actually one of the things that works best is that when he gets to the point where he pulls out the TV to show a clip of the previous show, the second that happens, the previous David Cross is pulling out a TV to show a, a clip of the previous show, and then it happens again, and then it happens again. And it's just, uh, the timing on that is absolutely perfect. We didn't need to see anything else of the previous shows other than what we were seeing. And the sort of the, um, the nice part about that is that it doesn't work, but he keeps doing it. Like, he's been so frustrated on almost every other show that he has dragged out the monitor to show his audience what he's talking about and it doesn't work but he keeps doing it but it's so satisfying that it goes backwards that you see him on the very first episode when yeah. he's like well maybe it'll be better next time yeah, right? exactly <laughs> once we'll have some <laughs> once we get all the wrinkles and the, the dramatic irony out, yeah, of the yeah. audience knowing that it's, it's not, not going to get better for david cross it is not <laughs> oh man michael the way his appearance changes as we see him move backwards in time is really striking how can how does either changing a character's appearance whether it's through flashbacks or something like that how can that add to the the comedy of a sketch well i think it, it speaks to like mining every opportunity you have for a joke when you you have the premise of the sketch which is very convoluted and it's already a high concept. Um, you, uh, to the credit of the writers, you know, you're, you should still be looking for every opportunity you can to fit in any joke, you know, in a sight gag, especially in something like this, where you're talking about a period of four weeks. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I didn't even notice that the first time I watched it. Um, but, you know, you layer in those things and you give different audiences something to laugh at, repeated watching something to laugh at. And it, it makes me think of kind of the your classic setup for comedy would be setup, setup, payoff. Yeah. Right. And I think Mr. Show is a good example and kind of often it seems kind of cutting edge sketch group, whether it's Monty Python or Fry and Laurie or uh, Mr. Show, move past that setup, setup, payoff, and it's payoff, payoff, payoff. And your payoffs are setups for your future payoff. That's just what I was thinking. Every time oh. he pulls out a TV, it is a payoff of the previous time he's pulled out a TV and a setup for the next time he's going to pull out right. a TV. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> it's the turducken. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I think uh, I think this is comedy inception is what's happened. And yeah. It's brilliant. So what is his show? Because the topics 
for each week are wildly different. Right. <laughs> like, why is what is this? Well, show now about? let's get, yeah, let's talk about that a little bit because uh, it's um, crime in the streets, racism, pets, <laughs> and then and the, the elderly. elderly. So we start off with two, you know, very serious topics onto something lighter, sort of dipping back into serious. And then cooking, I believe. And is. then cooking oh, is, yeah. is next yeah. week, is planned, <laughs> planned to be next week. One. He's not going to make it, I don't think. Oh. I don't think that character's going to last until the cooking show. <laughs> He's just in bad shape. He, uh, uh, Andy, I think you were saying that he... You, it looks like he ages about 10 years yeah. in those four really, weeks. You know, it's like when you see like pictures of presidents when they started and ended their time as oh, president. Yeah. yeah. And they just look horrible. Yeah. yeah Kennedy. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's too soon. I don't think anybody's seen a picture. Well, most people haven't seen pictures of when Kennedy's presidency was over. Uh, no. No. Next joke. Yes, uh, that's right. I'm gonna, oh, Michael. Uh, I'm still laughing. Need you to push away from the table and move back into the left. People still got a little testy about Abraham left. Lincoln assassination <laughs> jokes. Oh yeah, I was in an well, that was a show tragedy. Where a friend of mine like did a a graphic Abraham Lincoln, and the audience you could just hear them go, <gasps> and it was like it wasn't. And no was, one cares about James Garfield. Um, Johnny Cash did. He sang a song about it. I think that was about the cat, Garfield. Yeah, it might have been about the yeah, cat. Yeah, probably. Garfield, you're right, yeah. Probably. Okay. Sarah, when you're writing a sketch, do you ever sit down to yourself and think, I'm going to subvert this trope? Or if you do write something that is a little more subverting of a trope, does that come from the writing process? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know that I've ever sat down and consciously thought like, I'm going to subvert a talk show trope or something. But um, yeah, you often start off writing like a familiar scene, like yeah. a talk show, like we were saying, um, and just think like, well, what could go wrong here? What could make this weird? Um, so I don't know that it's consciously trying to subvert mm -hmm. it, but. Um, and what's, you know, what's interesting about that is that most of the time the joke in a talk show sketch is either the host or the guest's are wildly mismatched or one of those two uh, groups is extremely weird. Yeah, right. for sure. And that is not happening at all. The topics are serious. That's not what's at stake or that's not what's at issue. It's the format of the show. And again, his his unwillingness to change that format. That's a really good point. Yeah, it's not a weird host or a weird guest. It's the show itself that yeah. is weird. Yeah. Right, and I think that drives it kind of two of the different, off there are obviously more than two, but two of the different approaches sometimes in sketch comedy, it's either the premise is weird or you've put a weird character in a normal premise. Right. Right. And this is a situation where we expect a weird character, but instead, because of the time thing, because yeah. of it moving backwards in time, we get a normal character who, because he is frustrated, becomes funny, but he's in a weird premise. Yeah. Right. But I think there's like... So for me, like when I write a sketch, I've like, we talked about this being a high concept, like difficult to pull off almost sketch. Like I think most writers wouldn't even like pursue a sketch like this because no. it's, it's, no, it's difficult it's, to pull difficult. off. Yeah. It's, it's like, first of all, just thinking of doing it this way, I think that took a, that took a pretty big leap right there. And then to be able to pull it off, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm 
jumping ahead a, a little bit in the format of our show. But, um, you know, we're going to talk about how, how much we like these and, and rate them later on. I wouldn't change anything about this sketch. I don't think there's a way that I, I can't think of anything that would make it better at all. The only thing I would be interested in seeing is Mr. Show famously um, bookends their sketches going into the next sketch. Yep. And, you know, I think I believe we all watch this just on YouTube or yep. what have you. Um where you only see this clip. I would have loved to see how they led into this sketch and how oh. they lead out of it. I Do actually you know? looked up, I watched Oh, the, oh please. Yeah. I found the whole episode on some probably not legally on some site and uh watched <laughs> It's <laughs> watched okay. It. I bought the DVDs. That covers everybody at the table. <laughs> um yeah, cuz I was going to mention that the lead-in sketch was um when he first starts he was like, "Oh, well, talking about how rock music like the lyrics yeah. two weeks from now right? youth yeah, yeah it's two weeks from now and that was leading in from a sketch where there was a metal band Titanica oh. who had a song called like Try Suicide oh and they and, like, talked about that, that, that kid oh my <laughs> I remember um, that one yeah Woo. so that was the lead in and then the the next show was uh, oh I forget and it was the title of the episode it was like the creature from the Ghost of the Oh, the, the ghost of the creature. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. Was, yeah. So that was the next program that was going to be up on this channel, the Convoluted Network. Yeah. The Convoluted Network. Yes. I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a good I want to know what the other shows are yeah, on, on the, the Convoluted, Convoluted Network. Network. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would watch an episode that was just the shows on the Convoluted Network. Yeah. Hopping around. I would actually, I think I might just watch one of the shows on the Convoluted Network. I don't know about that. If they wanted it's to. It's very that. difficult to get. Yeah. Yeah. You have to go through this whole thing. You know, you have to Fuck have cable you. and oh satellite. <laughs> oh, that's awful. That's excellent, <laughs> but that was awful. Uh, David Cross is great at yelling. Yes. What about the way he yells is so funny? Anyone? Uh, he means it. That's a, he, he really sells it. I believe that all of his characters are about ready to do something drastic. He's actively sweating yeah. the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just his physicality with it, his, he is smoking on set, and his hand, the jitters that he has when he's holding that cigarette is, uh, yeah, he's a man that is maybe two minutes from uh, snapping or perhaps uh, about to have some sort of medical incident. Now, Sarah, when you're writing a sketch that has somebody get angry, do you write a sketch where someone, do you have, do you ever do that? A sketch where somebody gets angry? I've, I've probably written one, yeah. Does that depend more on, Seth just spoke to David Cross selling it very well, but when you're approaching that and maybe you have the actor in mind who's going to play it, mm -hmm. is it more about the words that you can put down on the page or knowing how the actor is going to sell it because I know often in sketch comedy, when you do it live, especially if it's an angry monologue or something like that, yeah. it's very likely that the words aren't going to be exactly what you've written down. And a character may just be channeling that anger. I think that happens a lot. Yeah. Um, where does the writing kind of trusting the actor, is there a divide there? Is it a symbiosis? What do you think? Oh, it's a yeah, uh, I think symbiosis is a good way of putting it. Um, I was I trying to think too. of how to describe <laughs> it. Yeah, and I'm not, I'd be curious to hear how Bad Medicine does it too. I think, um, 
excellently. A lot of <laughs> perfectly. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of times I'll write out the dialogue, and I think it's fun. Um, but then there is this process of you know when you're putting it up on your feet, you see how it actually works, sure. and a lot of times the actor has suggestions or they're just going with the flow and come up with something much better than what I've written. Um, <laughs> happens sometimes. Um, yeah, so I think it's a I think it's a joint process think, between the writer and the actor. Yeah, I think one of the things that works well in this and that I often think works well is that he, as angry as he get, he doesn't get less articulate. He's like still just more vehemently explaining the concept. Yeah. Like uh, in the same words, in the same, you know, kind of phrasing each time, um, but he's still getting mad. Real quick, um, anything? We talked about things we changed. Nobody really wants to change anything. Michael, would you change anything? I, I'm still not sure I understand what's happening in the sketch. Um, <laughs> I probably not. wouldn't change anything because I don't know what's going on. So if I change <laughs> something, the whole thing might fall apart. Sarah, anything? No, I can't think of anything I would change. It's a perfect structure um Perfect. i love it Seth, um i i'm already on record as not changing anything about this sketch and if you would uh you were a communist is that, that so bad <laughs> yeah you're right exactly <laughs> no no anymore <laughs> yeah. i don't know facebook is so confusing <laughs> all right time for final thoughts sarah as the guest why don't you come up with some kind of rating system or scale for us to judge today's sketches on. All right. How about in honor of David Cross's hair oh. in pre-tape Colin show, can we go with uh, out of, how many hairs do you think he has on his head? Like 4,000? Let's go with out of 4,000 hairs. 4,000 hairs. That's just a guesstimate. <laughs> That's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an educated guesstimate. It's an educated guesstimate. And I won't, I won't take any offense about talking about people's hair or lack thereof. Seth has oh. a receding hairline. <laughs> yes. I was at this table. <laughs> in, in this very visual Got podcast. the least on my scalp. So picture that, people. <laughs> All right, Sarah. How many follicles would you give corn maize? Corn maize, I would give 3,900 out of 4,000 follicles. Wow. Yeah. That, that's a strong follicle count. You're feeling pretty good if it's that's a high what you're. Follicle score. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, how about for the pre-taped call and talk show? I would go three thousand nine hundred ninety-nine point nine nine repeating. Wow. wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You you don't want to give them. A I don't want to give score, a perfect right, score because right. there's always yeah. room for improvement. And then I yeah. I think it's and you like that one more than the sketch that you brought in even. Yeah, I know. Yeah. All right. There you go. High praise. Clearly. Michael, what about you? How many follicles? I, you know, I would also probably go with like 3,900 for um, corn maize. It was, it was just so different from anything that I'd seen that I, I appreciated that. Yeah. yeah. It was nice. Absolutely. And I got to give, I got to give more like 2,000, I think, to, uh, to David Cross and, uh, and Mr. Show for um, pre-taped Colin show. Cause I spent the, like the, it really wasn't until the payoff that I was really enjoying it. And, um, I, you know, I still think it was a great sketch, um, but only 2000 follicles. Great. But still great. You can have a great hairline yeah. with 2000 follicles. That kind of that ring around the side, maybe with 2000. Yeah. I speak card. as a man with about like 
40,000 follicles. <laughs> so yes. Michael has a full beard. Uh, it's for not me, just the beard. Oh, God. Uh, for me, I would give the corn maze sketch. Oh, geez. I really like both of these sketches. Yeah. I don't want to just mimic what Sarah said. No, it's a hard, hard Um, one. Let's see. I would give it... Uh, I'll go with 3,500 follicles because I think I would have ended it like right after corn maze. Mm -hmm. I think I would have given it the hard stop. Uh, for pre-taped call and talk show, I will also give it 3,500 follicles because, as Michael said, is a little convoluted. And I think if I'd been watching it on, on TV in 1996 network. or whatever, um, I might have been like, well, what did I just watch? And the ability now to be able to rewatch something uh, – makes it easier to understand well all right i think i'm gonna give corn maze uh 3750 follicles out of a possible 4000 um i'm gonna say this because i i actually kind of like uh sarah's earlier suggestion for how it should go we show the corn maze we sh we pull out and then rob people says corn maze <laughs> uh and that was just an excuse for me to do that again sorry people um <laughs> And as for pre-taped Colin show, I am going to, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to give it 4,100 out of 4,000 followers. Wow. So we've got some plugs. That's in right. Already That's right. Here. He went in there. He got a little rogue. Performance rogaine, enhancing. And it's wow. it's yeah. coming back. Yeah. Yep. Those PEDs. So do we add up the follicles then? No. Nope. No. No. There's no addition needed. That, that would be way above our math abilities. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Sketch Nerds. A special thanks to our guest, Sarah Fell. Real quick, Sarah, can you tell us where we can find more about your work and your sketch group's work? Oh, sure, yeah. And uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. This was such a treat. Oh, of course. I love talking sketch, so this is fun. Yeah, um, absolutely, we loved having you. Great. So uh, my sketch group, Frankie, um, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, Frankie's Sketch Comedy. We are also on Twitter now. Oh, wow. uh, as we said, perfectly timed before the whole Twitter experiment falls apart. Uh, Frankie Sketch DC. And we're on Instagram, Frankie Sketch Comedy. Awesome. Well, we, we look forward to seeing more of you guys on stage and, uh, and videos. Yeah. Oh, and I should admit, we probably will have shows coming up. We have a show. We'll be performing at a sketch showcase at Dojo, at which Bad Medicine is also performing. I believe we are, yeah. January 27th, which might be before this episode airs. So if you're listening in the future, I hope you like that show. And you can check our Facebook <laughs> to see when else we might be performing. <laughs> oh, thank you, Sarah. You can find out more about Sketch Nerds and Bad Medicine at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds, where you can also find links to the sketches we discussed today. You can find this podcast and previous episodes wherever you get your podcasts. For Sarah Fell, Seth Alcorn, and Michael Alvino, I'm Andy Weld. Thanks for listening to Sketch Nerds. Thank you for listening. This episode was produced by Isaiah Hedden, and recorded in Washington, D.C. The closing music tracks were provided by SoundtrackForEverything.com. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for criticism and commentary. The Sketch Nerds podcast is brought to you by the sketch comedy group Bad Medicine, D.C.'s best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity. For showtimes, videos, and funny t-shirts, please visit BadMedicineComedy.com.